Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of FinTV. Today, we're joined by a special guest who is Wayne Rothman. He is VP of Partnerships and External Supply Chain at Janssen Pharmaceuticals. Uh, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Great. Well, why don't you uh, tell the crowd, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey so far, and also, uh, you know, maybe why you're in front of such a lovely view. <laughs> yeah, so the view back there is my home country, uh, South Africa, and that's Cape Town, where I spent a lot of my early career life at. And, um, you know, just a bit of background for me, so entrepreneur by heart. So I've launched and sold a few, few companies, including um, an online retail in Africa. But most of my career, I've spent in uh, logistics and supply chain. So I started off really basically in a warehouse, picking packing boxes, um, and you know worked my way through through every function within within the supply chain. So over the years, been in every role, um, you know across the the score model. So plan, source, make, and deliver. Um, it's been a good first uh, part of my career in Africa um, for companies like Pfizer and Mondelez. Um, and the last 12 years I've been in Switzerland uh, working for, for Johnson Johnson um, and in pretty much every role uh, you can think of um, and currently looking after partnerships and external supplies so that's everything related to our pharmaceuticals business and biologics and small molecule manufacturing that we don't make internally. So you've seen everything from the supply chain function you said okay so how I'm going to throw you with the first question, which is going to be about how you how you think you've seen the the industry evolve, you know, or the or the 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 role of a supply chain person evolve in your time in this field. Yeah, that's a great question, and I've seen it it evolve almost function by function. So within the within um, the supply chain, right? So you know, I think at first thought of everything was very transactional when I, when I started. So you know, supply chain was there to get a box to the customer. Um, you know, no, very little value add in, in terms of the, the chain. I think we started to see that evolve and, you know, then distribution um, started becoming a bit of an enabler and uh, bringing value. So, you know, you saw companies really changing some distribution models, which you see today, right? If you look at Amazon and, and these type of companies, really the, the advantage is, is, you know, the, the last mile, right? Uh, so you can see that evolve quite fundamentally. I think you know, when you look at planning, you know, planning has evolved significantly over the years uh, from, you know, a function that kind of planned the boxes to, to really a function now that's integrated very well with commercial and supply chain and, and seen as a value add, right? Um, and driving, you know, both top line and bottom line uh, growth uh, for the organizations. And, you know, procurement came a little bit later. So, you know, when I joined procurement, you know, very transactional in the beginning. But you know, very much become you know strategic sourcing. You know, out of procurement arms, you start getting innovation and other um, you know huge top line growth drivers into the organisation. So over the over these twenty odd years that I've been in supply chain, I've seen a major evolution of supply chain as a transactional sort of enabler to supply chain actually being a core part of top bottom and bottom line growth for an organisation. And some companies are just total supply chain organisations like Amazon, right? 
So that evolution has been, been, been massive, yeah. What, what do you think was the reason behind this? I mean, do you think it has anything to do with consumer-driven demand or, you know, the way that, that, that we've changed as shoppers? What, what are the levers behind this? Yeah, that's a great question. And I do think it's, it's very much evolves around, um, obviously, big data, right, um, and also choice. So if you look at a, whether it's a patient or a consumer, the, the customer experience, um, you know, if you look 15 years ago, was not really any on any dialogue, right? It was, we make a product, it's a good product, right? And somebody's gonna buy it. And you, if you market well enough, you're gonna get it, the, the sale. I think that that whole culture has changed fundamentally, particularly around choice. Um, and, you know, like, again, I, I referred to, you know, online retail as, as one of the drivers here. The customer experience, I, I think, has been one of the biggest drivers for this change. You know, people have choice. There's a lot of competition out there. And I think, you know, um, trying to enable that, that customer experience, uh, which actually drives demand, um, is, is been a, a quite a big focus change. So, you know, from a very marketing-driven organization, TV ads and so on, right, to a digital world where customers have choice, there's a lot of um, information on product, you know, um, and, you know, it's now really about how do you get a customer to choose your product versus just having a good product, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's been a big a big fundamental shift as well. So, so I think online retail has, has really had an impact on uh, the way that we shop, the way that we demand certain things from 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 uh, our the companies that we engage with. But where do you think this is going to go? I mean, what what kind of uh, future are we heading into? Obviously, there's the pre-COVID, post-COVID future, so there's there's that to consider. Yeah. But where do you think we're headed? Yeah, I, I think, again, and it's focused on customer experience, right? So I think, you know, the traditional approach of just having a product um, or, or a, you know, an SKU that you can sell that people like, um, you know, great. You know, online has shifted that a lot. There's more choice. But I think the experience around the product, so as we look at digital enablement, the experience around the product, the services around the product start becoming uh, fundamentally more important. So I do think that that evolution is going to grow. Um, there's a reason why you have things like subscribe and save. There's a reason why there's software built around toothbrushes and, and everything else, right? So I believe this is going to happen um, even more so in consumer um, FMCG environment, but also in the pharmaceuticals environment, uh, which, which I'm in today. So, you know, that evolution uh, for sure is, is going to hit all, all um, you know, aspects of, of categories that we, we play in. So do you think that there are companies that are embracing that kind of uh, thinking um, versus do you think that there's still other companies, again, not looking for specifics in general, I mean, I'm looking in general, yeah. uh, that sort of are still in the traditional supply chain model, I have a product, I sell a product? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, th this is a great question. And if you look at what's really disrupting the market, it's the small players, right? You know, look at a company like Shopify, right? So yeah. Shopify is growing, is exceptionally um, today because, you know, small companies or, or you know, in, independent businesses are actually getting massive traction. So I think the, the, real, the real challenge is around, you know, the smaller companies are very focused on their customers um, compared to big uh, corporate. Yeah, big corporations are trying, right? So I see, you know, some pockets where some companies have really succeeded in certain categories, but it's taking much longer. So the real competition and the real learning is actually coming from the, the smaller players out there. Um, if you look at even, you know, um, at some of the trends online, you'll see that brands you never knew existed, right, are suddenly becoming massive brands because they, again, master the, the customer experience. 
So I think there's a lot of efforts. I would not say that I see any particular big, you know, blue chip company that has truly mastered this across the breadth of the organizations. So this is a big challenge and it's a cultural part to it, but also speed, right? Well, it's funny because I was going to just, just talk to you about that in terms of the cultural element, the mindset. You know, how important is it to have a corporate culture that understands supply chain as a key core focus of the business versus it being a cost center? Yeah, I, I think, to be, to be honest, I think a lot of companies have kind of got, just gotten past that, right? There, there's a big realization um, that supply chain is a massive enabler other than just a balance sheet and, and, and cost center, right? So I think most companies, um, at least that are mature enough in the space, um, have kind of overcome that hurdle. The bigger challenge is how do you change the culture, right? Across, you know, thousands of people, um, across multiple functions working together because, you know, digital transformation and being close to the customer um, and, and understanding the customer experience is, is not that easy, right? So, you know, some, some functions are very far away. You've got old IT infrastructure and a mindset around, you know, sort of big ERP versus this plug and play and, and data centric strategies, right? So, so I think that's, that's a big barrier now, right? So, you know, it's, not, it's, it's less about the strategy of the CEOs. I think most CEOs have kind of cottoned on that this needs to change rapidly. It's really how do you drive that culture right? um, and that mindset uh, through the organization. And that's well, you just... You've just hit on a topic that I was about to bring up, which is digital transformation. I mean, pre-COVID, we were spending a great deal of time addressing that topic. What does it mean? What does it mean? Because it means different things to different people. How do you implement it? What's realistic? You know, et cetera. The biggest thing I always focus on is that digital transformation isn't just about adopting new technology. It's about having the kind of digital IQ within the business, the digital mindset in the business to make sure that everything is, uh, a, that you take everybody with you. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I have a term I coined, uh, which is called digital dexterity, right? Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great, great term because that's just the reality, right? It, we don't expect, you know, everybody to be masters of, you know, algorithms and, and data scientists. Yeah. However, th there needs to be this understanding that there's, there's a role to play for data scientists. Um, it's a much bigger role than it's ever been before. Uh, functional knowledge is still extremely important. And I think this is what people forget. Right, you can come in with really cool tools and, and load in a whole lot of data scientists, but if you lose that functional um, depth, you, you also don't find the right solutions. So, so I think the magic really lies in the combination of, um, you know, having the balance between, you know, the, the technical understanding of, of data scientists, the technical understanding of the functional knowledge, and then, you know, truly understanding what does it mean, right? So. Is it just about creating tools and tool sets? The answer is no, right? It's, it's, it's entire workflows. It's, it's really understanding what value and starting with a problem to solve, right? And working backwards from that. And I think this is where a lot of failure comes where, you know, everyone tries to put in the, the cool Ferrari toys, but mm -hmm. not really understanding what problems they're trying to solve. And, you know, starting with the problem uh, that you're trying to solve and solving those, those problems uh, through uh, data science and big data and, and I'd say more digital type of approaches, uh, that's when you start you know, getting good wins and you can start scaling up uh, across your organization. But that's kind of where it needs to start. And I think uh, you know, a lot of companies try and do you know, the, whole, the whole thing and change the whole lot with tools um, and, yeah. and, and you know, loading data scientists and, and that doesn't change culture. Um, the yeah. culture changes when people see, see the real benefit 
uh, yeah. see it less of a threat, right? And see as it enabling you know uh, them to do more value-added activities, and that's when you start you know driving this this cultural shift in the organisation, and it needs to be very purposeful. Yeah. Well, as you say, you've got to start with where, what problem are you trying to solve. Yeah. Uh, if you demonstrate to the people that you're you know within your business that you actually help them solve a problem, then you take them with you, and the cultural element uh, changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, let's talk tech for a second. Um, what are, is there any technology that's out there that excites you that you think is interesting that you think is maybe going to be a game changer uh, for, you know, for businesses? There, there's a lot, right? <laughs> so, you know, depending on, on where you're looking, you know, if you're looking at robotic surgery, which, which JNJ plays, and if you, if you start looking at sensors, right, um, you know, and, and, and sensors, I, I think is changing a lot. So, you know, think of track and trace, right? Think yep. of uh, sensors on equipment and machinery. Um, this is changing the game in, entirely. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing much more of that embedded in. So, you know, today you could almost have a consumption driven model where, you know, you have a bottle that senses, you know, how full it is and that can, you know, trigger replenishment to the house. So I, I think, you know, these are, these are business models that uh, are going to start uh, you know, coming into play uh, very, very soon. For sure, you know, there's a little bit of that already, right? If you look at online retail, where it kind of predicts how often you, you order a certain item and you can get this every week or it triggers it, but it'll be much more data-driven uh, in, in the future. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, all of this is being, is, is, is underpinned by a whole lot of data, you know? So uh, I would imagine that if we get into more sensors, more track and trace, more things like, you know, yeah. wearable technology, et cetera, that tracks everything that we do, it's going to pull a bunch of data. What, what kind of teams do you think a supply chain leader needs to build uh, for today and the future? Yeah, no, and, and that's a great question. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, trying to do all things, right, kind of uh, slows you down. So I always think it's good to, you know, purposely build into your structure an innovation arm that has the, the space to experiment um, and to scout. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, it's really looking at, at supply chain in a different way. You know, supply chain has been very traditional in many ways, but the reality is, you know, scouting for innovation, you know, finding new technologies, being an early adopter, you know, to do sort of um, agile, you know, um, uh, proof of concepts, right? I, I think is really, really important so that you can learn and, and be, be the first uh, to get there. So uh, for, for me, um, you know, that, that's, that's really where the magic lies in being able to do those experimentations without these sort of big two, three year projects. Um, because the tech, the tech, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but the technology changes in two, three years. You exactly. can't embark on, you can't embark on a two, three year ERP project to change your whole business. Uh, that might start, I mean, it might take five years by, from the exactly. moment that you conceptualize the moment you deliver. Exactly. Technology is moving way too fast, isn't it? Exactly. And that's where, you know, this whole sort of ERP agnostic approach um, is quite important, right? So, you know, yeah. I'm a firm believer that you need to be agnostic of your ERP transactional systems, right? Yeah. And you need to be able to plug and play and, and adapt, right? Uh, SaaS-based systems are great because, you know, they kind of evolve every day, right? Versus an out-of-the-box uh, system. So, you know, th this is the dynamics that, that you're playing with today. But you need to experiment and you need to have, give the organization space to do that. Um, the, the, the difficult part of that is making sure it's not so disconnected from the reality, right? That, you know, what they work on is not implementable. And, and that's, 
really the balance that's hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't want moonshots of people sort of saying we're going to go and we're going to, you know, cure cancer with this new technology. We're going to, you want someone that will do a project and uh, scale it up and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, on a small scale, right. To experiment in, in a small part of the business um, with new concepts and technologies, um, but starting with a problem to solve, right. Of course. And so again, let, let's expand on this team stuff. I mean, do you think teams will need to have more data scientists in them? Do you think that there'll be people that will have a, a have to have a better understanding of, of, digital technology moving forward? Yes. So again, digital dexterity, like I said, is for me a critical component. So the, the functional knowledge or whoever sits with the functional knowledge would need to have that digital dexterity. So understand the language, right? Um, then, you know, coupled with a data scientist that can understand how to execute that and build the algorithms. Um, mm -hmm. you know, because think, think about this, right? In the future, a competitive advantage may actually be the algorithm that you use. Yeah. Um, you know, so that could be your differentiator in the supply chain. So that combination of the functional knowledge um, leader who's got the digital dexterity that can understand the data scientist and a data scientist that has built some competen competencies on the functional knowledge is a magic um, sort of uh, combination. Uh, that's hard to do, uh, to be quite honest. I, I would also add to that probably a, a supportive management board that understands the need for having that kind, you know, that the value of data, you know, would you agree? Uh, I would totally agree, right? If it's not supported from the top, um, you, you're not going to get anywhere, right? So, um, you know, cult culturally, the only way you can drive a culture really is, you know, uh, top down and bottoms up, right? So, you know, it's really, really important to have that direction um, and, you know, from the top to give that leeway to allow people to experiment but fail fast right um and you know and, and there should also be this acceptance of, of failure um you know I, I would say not irresponsible failure but failing fast on on your sort of proof of concept level um so that you can move on and, and try something different um, but there needs to be this cultural change and that can only be that breathing space can only be given if you truly you know have your leadership right uh, driving driving their culture what do you think about um, hiring people from diverse backgrounds in order to bring a different type of thinking to, to your team? So diversity for me is a very passionate topic, right, for me. Um, absolutely. I mean, it's proven over and over again that diversity drives innovation. Um, yeah. And diversity drives value. So I'm a firm believer in having diverse groups. I'm not just talking about gender, I'm talking about, you know, diversity in all aspects. Um, I'm an absolute firm believer and I've seen it real, for real, right? So, you know, in my previous roles, for sure, when I hire people, it was specific, you know, bringing people out of Amazon, bringing people out of uh, very different industries even compared to healthcare uh, to help us, you know, challenge the internal organization and bring competencies in and um, challenge the way we think. Um, so, you know, it's a critical component to unlocking the, the real value. And, and how do you, you know, these days attract people to supply chain, which in my opinion, I think we have a bit of an image issue. You know, I think, I think supply chain is just still seen as a back office function. Maybe, maybe now everybody's talking about supply chain that might change, but previously, I mean, how many kids in high school were hearing about a potential, you know, you should go into supply chain. That's a, that's a great role. So I guess I've got two questions. How do you attract talent and how did you get into supply chain? Yeah. So, so I think two things. One is supply chain need to do a much better job of marketing themselves, right? So 
Um, I'm a big advocate of, you know, in supply chain, it's good actually to have somebody who knows how to market uh, because supply chain typically focuses on, you know, how to get things done, right? Um, so, so that's a big component of, of you know, creating a, I'd say, a marketable organization. And we spend a lot of time on that um, in, in, in my groups. And, you know, in attracting talents, you know, I'm very fortunate to work for a company that has a credo. Um, and, you know, the credo is very, is an, is an amazing document, right, that drives our culture. Um, and people want to work for that type, right? They want to work in life sciences and, and, and bring value to, to patients and, and humanity. So from that perspective, there's a lot of marketing, you know, that you can do. Um, but it's also can be an exciting place. So a lot of, you know, when we've recruited, I'd say, really great talent from other organizations, not just in healthcare, um, a lot of it's been around the inspirational uh, vision, right? Uh, people don't want to come in and say, hey, I'm going to do order management, right? And that's where digital comes to play because if you look at your sort of millennials and, and your, your younger generations, they don't want to come in and do order management and transact. You know, that stuff should be done automatically, right? What they want to see is, you know, how much value can I bring? How do I bring value to society? You know, what, what is my contribution, right? And, and that is something supply chain often undersells itself on. Um, and that's why, again, it's so important to do the digital transformation so we can get people working on um, important but more exciting things than, you know, just transactions and, you know, managing orders across the chain. Yeah, if you think about supply chain. I, I can't remember. Oh, what yeah, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, you're right. How did you get into supply chain? Ah, so, so for me, it was, um, you know, it's quite an interesting story because I was actually going to go to the Air Force uh, to be a pilot. <laughs> And in between, um, you know, having done the entrance uh, course for, for, for the Air Force, I actually started working in logistics as a, as a temp. That's how I got in. Uh, I think, how, how did I stay? Um, it was really the value that I, I saw could bring. So, you know, I was, I've been involved with IT for, for a long time. Uh, so even in my younger days, I was, you know, developing uh, software. Um, and I saw the impact that, you know, I, I could bring uh, in, into supply chain. So that motivated me a lot. Uh, it really solidified when I had my own business um, in online retail many, many years ago. So before Amazon was really big. Um, and, and that really showed me the competitive advantage, right, through really managing your last mile to the customer. And, and that got me totally interesting. hooked. Yeah. That, that got you hooked. Well, see, that's interesting. That's, that's what I was going to say. I, I think... I do think that we, supply chain has a bit of an image issue. It's always been about moving boxes around some warehouse somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and you're absolutely right. If you're going to attract people into this space, you need to talk to them about all the innovation that's happening in supply chain right now. So there's some very exciting things happening, like you say, with robotics, sensors, track and trace. Uh, I mean, advanced uh, planning, you know, machine learning, AI, that really is exciting stuff. But equally, and I think more importantly, it's about the impact that they can make in, 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 on the world, uh, whether that is getting medicine to a different part of the world, whether it is even getting clothes yeah. to a different part of the world or helping to build a car. Um, so that leads us to, I guess, the great big elephant in the room, the COVID situation that we've got right now, the pandemic. Supply chain has never been seen as more important than it is today. Uh, there's a really big impact that supply chain can have today in the world, which I imagine you can see. What, what, what kind of opportunities do you think 
can come out of this pandemic. Again, not to downplay the, the, the horrible nature of, of what's going on and, and the tragedy and the death and so forth, but do you think there are opportunities uh, moving forward for supply chain professionals? Yeah, I mean, if, if we'll take the most basic point, right? I, I think one thing that the situation has showed us is that, you know, um, mobility and where you sit, uh, let's just take outside of, of manufacturing operations, but is less important than everyone thought it was, right? So I, I think the, the, the adoption of technology, like we're using Zoom right now, um, has ex accelerated extremely quickly, right? Uh, because of the situations. It's forced us to work in a totally different way. Um, so, so I think from that aspect, um, already there's a huge impact. I don't believe it will go away. And I believe that will kind of become a new norm uh, for, for, for businesses and supply chain, right? In terms of, you know, it actually doesn't, you know, sit, sitting anywhere in the world, you, you can actually still run, you know, a multi-billion dollar uh, company, right? Uh, so, so I think that that's been a, a huge observation. The other one is for sure it's going to start um, accelerating what I call transparency, supply chain transparency. So if you think about it, you know, you know, I look after hundreds of factories around the world. And if you think about it, you know, some of the most important information is, you know, hey, can they do their shifts, right? Is there an outbreak in the sites, you know, um, how do you keep on, on tabs on this? What's happening with logistics um, in those markets? So I think transparency in terms of the pulse of your chain and the lag, right, are, are two things that will significantly change because you can clearly see that, okay, you can, you can put people on it now, but you can clearly see that, you know, the, the horizontal integration, which is what I call it, is, is absolutely critical, right? Um, if, if, when something like this happens, you want to be able to have that full transparency across your chain very, very quickly. Um, so horizontal integration, I believe, will be accelerated um, significantly mm -hmm. because you know now you can really justify, right? That um, you know it's kind of important, right, to be able to get a pulse, um, not a month later, but you know on the day of what's happening across your entire network. Because you couldn't, you can't be there to see it. So there's exactly. been a. a yeah, there's been a paradigm shift, hasn't there? You, you know, we now are accepting the ability to work from home. The future of work looks a bit different. You know, I think I spoke with someone the other day who said, uh, until now, we never would have questioned the whole, I have to go to work. I have to be in this office by this point, which is what we did, what we've done for yeah. generations. Yeah. And now that's not possible. So we're adapting. So yeah. it's changed the paradigm, which has then given us this whole idea, as you say, horizontal integration, supply chain transparency. I'll but, give you another you know, example. I, Sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. And another example would be, you know, virtual site uh, tours, right? So, you know, business doesn't stop, right? We still have to assess sites. We, you know, there's work on vaccines. There's all kinds of things happening. Um, and, you know, you suddenly realize that, hey, your Google Glasses virtual plant tours, you know, can actually work, right? You can actually be engaged with the site without being there and mm. you know be there um, digitally if you want to put yeah. it that way right so you remotely so you know that's another big dynamic uh, that's changed there's also a downside yeah. though right so we can talk about that maybe after you well, of, uh, well of, of course because you know there is no replacement for sitting down having lunch with someone that is managing your site and really getting to know them. You, you yeah. don't get that in, in, in a call, you know, in a, in a digital call. I get that. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I talk about because people say to me, oh, when are you going to bring back the live events? 
And I think to myself, well, listen, you know, digital events are not going to replace live events. There still is going to be uh, the need to, you know, sit down with someone, meet them eye to eye, talk about stuff that isn't just related to, uh, to, to let's get down to business. But equally, we don't have that opportunity now. So therefore, we've got to make do with what we've got. So I think, in my humble opinion, that the future looks like a bit more of a hybrid uh, of combination of digital as well as physical presence. Would you agree? I, I agree. And, and it is a combination and a balance, right? So, you know, again, one of the downsides is, you know, there's sometimes it is hard for particularly, you know, people that are, are single or alone, you know, being at home, you know, so there, there's this other dynamic around health that mm. we shouldn't forget, right? Which is, you know, it's, it's great and for sure things are going to change. But it's always, you know, how do we find the right balance to your, to your points, right? Um, because, you know, you still need to get out and, and have a healthy mind. And, and you know, these, these are things that sometimes can get lost in, 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 in the excitement, right, of being totally virtual. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about the possibility? I mean, now that we've got an opportunity to perhaps maybe even redesign supply chain, redesign business models, uh, what about more sustainable business models? Uh, I mean, look at it, we're not traveling as much. So do, do you think that there's an opportunity here for supply chain leaders to help redesign a more sustainable business model? I think that's automatically going to happen, right? So for sure, I, I think um, this sort of travel culture, right, um, is going to change uh, dramatically. Uh, it'll still happen. Uh, but like you said, it's going to be a balance of, of virtual and, um, and physical, much more balanced than, than, than before. Um, you know, big events, you know, until there's a vaccine, I doubt they can even allow big events, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, the, this, this will definitely change the way, you know, corporate travel works, um, engagement, like I gave the, the Google Glass example, you know, you don't have to physically be at the site from day one, you know, you might want to validate what you've seen, but there's for sure going to be a much more um, a balance between the virtual approach and, and the physical presence, yeah. And insofar as uh, how are you, how you and your teams are adjusting to this pandemic at the moment, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure like everyone else, you've gone through phases, the first phase of, oh my goodness, shock, what are we going to do? Panic. Second phase of, okay, let's get back to, we know how to do, we know how to fix things. And then I guess I think we're in a third phase of, okay, now what does the future hold? What does the new normal start to look like? Would you, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I think uh, in the beginning, obviously, it was a big shock, right? So, you know, in the beginning, also, like I mentioned, you didn't have all the data available and you had to kind of very quickly develop some key processes. Um, but for sure, now it is what is the new normal going to look like? Um, and, you know, what does it look like prior to a vaccine, right? What does it look like after a vaccine? And, um, you know, we're looking at all those aspects, including, you know, policies around, you know, open open desk environments and all this kind of stuff, uh, virtu you know, virtual work. So, so for sure, that that is being worked on, and that's a big topic with, within within the teams, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the other things that I've heard from other people is that because now so many people are talking about supply chain, I mean, it really genuinely is a topic of conversation in the news. I've never seen it on the news so often. Uh, it's elevated the profile. Do you think that this also gives an opportunity for the supply chain leader to emerge as a bigger part of a business? I think it'll accelerate the journey. I, I think that journey's really started a few years ago. I mean, look at Tim Cook, right? I mean, he came out of supply chain, right? Um, yeah. And so, so I think there's a lot of examples where, you know, supply chain have been feeding CEOs um, for the last few years. 
But I, I do believe that, that you know, the ability to orchestrate is a fundamental skill that sits in supply chain. And you know, orchestration is kind of the new leader um, you know, skill that's, that's needed. Um, so I, I do believe that supply chain's role, right, in terms of feeding leadership, uh, for sure, uh, will, will gain even more traction now. Yeah. I mean, the reality is supply chain has, has kept a lot running, right, in, in the background amidst pretty much impossible situations, you know, borders closing, uh, you know, uh, staff not being able to get to work. There's, there's tons of things that supply chains in, in, enabled very rapidly to keep the businesses running. Well, I think it speaks to the nature of the supply chain function. You know, the supply chain leaders are pretty agile and able to adapt to crisis, probably even unprecedented crisis like this. Uh, what, do you th what do you see, if any, challenges or roadblocks down the line? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at, you know, I'd say the geopolitical situation, I think, is, is going to be a challenge um, because it does change the dynamics, you know, so... You know, how, how quickly, you know, do you really need to have a dual source approach where you thought it was okay, single source, right? Um, where, do you, where do you have, you know, some of your critical components supply? Because, you know, if you look at countries like India, you know, the, the logistics shut down, right, for quite a while. You know, so how do you balance that risk? I, I think so risk management, I, I think, is, is going to be very much a key on the cards. Um, and probably a little bit more um, funding associated to risk management will, will, will come out after this for sure. So I think that's one of the bigger changes that, that I think we'll, we'll, we'll start seeing. Do you think that some of the lessons learned from this pandemic and we're still learning every day and we'll continue learning for a little bit, but do you think that we'll go back to normal or you know, the pre-COVID world or will we actually learn some of these lessons? Yeah, I don't, you know, who knows what the future holds, right? But I don't believe it'll go back to normal. Mm. Uh, so because I do think, like I said, until a vaccine is available, I don't think any country is truly going to unlock all, right? Yeah. Um, because, I mean, the sheer cost, right, of shutting down already has, 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 has been massive across the world. So I don't think there is such a thing as going back to normal. I, I think you can kind of call it the new normal, yeah. um, where it will be this balance that we discussed earlier, right? So, you know, and, and policies change, right? So, you know, how you uh, have meetings, how you handle hygiene, um, you know, how your factory works, right? In terms of number of people that can be in a room and, and all these kind of things. Th th that's going to change. And um, you, you, we have to be ready for that. And that's not just going to be a choice. A lot of it's also going to be legislation that I think starts coming through uh, to drive, the, drive this. Yeah. What would you say to people that perhaps have not embraced digital transformation as much as they should have pre-COVID? Uh, do you think that it, the time is now to act? Absolutely. I mean, I would say probably really learn a hard lesson, right? That, you know, not having data and not having transparency, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the companies that were not, not able to get visibility quick enough uh, for sure would have had logistics, you know, disrupted somewhere along the line, right? And, and their business disrupted. So I think it's a good lesson that, you know, you, you cannot be idle for too long on this, on this topic. So I do believe that there'll be an acceleration um, of, of that journey. For um, companies that haven't embraced it already, yeah. Yeah, I, I, th I think, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that just probably people were daunted by the 
task of digital transformation. It seemed like such a big thing to do, but if you do it, like you say, which is find a problem, try to solve it, scale up from there, you know, or proof concept, scale it from there. Lastly, what advice would you give to supply chain leaders today that are in the thick of it uh, to build a resilient supply chain down the line? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a loaded question, right? But It uh, is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I think, uh, you know, the, 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 first, the first one I want to give is be bold, right? I, I think supply chain should not undersell itself um, and should also, you know, spend more time marketing what they do and accomplish. Um, and see themselves as you know um, talent that has you know a combination of you know business acumen logistics you know rapid decision making these kind of things so just make sure that it, supply chain is represented well um, and I, I think uh, work on your marketing story right to to your commercial partners so that you can justify um, you know really the role and and I think that's not done enough as we discussed earlier, but I think that's an important, important part. I think now's a good time, right? Where, you know, I think a lot of companies realize without our operations running, we don't have a sale, right? Um, we, we potentially put patients at risk, um, depending on what sector you're playing in. And I think it's a good time to, to escalate um, and to elevate our supply chains uh, visibility and capability so that we can address, you know, the, the broad investments that will be needed to improve. And then I would add to that something that you said at the beginning, which is the focus on the customer. I think companies that really embrace that and focus on the customer and work backwards are uh, at an advantage. I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah. I mean, the reality is if you're not starting with your customer and you're investing, you're probably wasting a lot of dollars because uh, if you're investing in things that are not gonna differentiate anything with the customer or improve the experience, you're only investing in yourself, right? So that's another great piece of advice. You know, don't invest on what you think is right. Start with the customer, understand the problem that you're going to solve for the customer and then invest because that's where you're going to get the value. Well, on that note, uh, I'd like to thank you for being part of FinTV, being part of this, uh, this session. Hopefully we'll see you again soon and uh, stay safe. So thank you very much, Wayne. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. For those of you watching, stay tuned for the next episode.